0: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin.
1: Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. For
2: farmers, putting together the annual budget is never an easy task, but Texas A&M AgriLife is offering Texas High Plains producers a resource that can make it easier. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: La Nina predicted to last through March. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story plus the February forecast on Texas Ag Today.
4: Coastal band farmers are busy with final land preparation for their 2021 2021- Row Crop Planning. This is Harvey Buring reporting from the Corpus Christi area.
1: We'll have those stories, plus the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas spinach production is down this year. Jessica Dommel reports.
5: The coronavirus pandemic has taken a toll on Texas spinach production. According to Dr. Larry Stein, a horticulturalist for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, growers reduced their spinach plantings by about 10% in 2020. That is due to decreased demand for spinach in the restaurant industry as fewer Americans have been eating out and restaurants have been under capacity limitations. Spinach harvest started in November and in November, is now in high gear in Texas. Stein says growers are reporting excellent quality thanks to favorable growing conditions. Texas produces about 3,000 acres of spinach a year for both the canned and fresh markets. Three types of spinach are grown here, baby leaf, larger leaf, and savoy or curly spinach. Harvest will continue through April. I'm Jessica Dolmull with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: We have the first wheat crop condition ratings out now from the National Ag Statistics Service, and it doesn't look very good here in Texas. Of course, we expected this because of the drought conditions that we've had over the course of the wheat-growing season so far, but when you look at the numbers on paper, it really drives home as to how bad this crop looks thanks to the drought. Right now, 0% of the wheat crop in Texas rated excellent, 20% rated good, 39% rated fair, And 41% of the wheat crop rated poor to very poor. You see the same thing on oats. 5% excellent, 19% good, 35% fair, and 41% of the oat crop rated poor to very poor. And it's even worse when you look at pasture and range conditions. 2% of the range and pasture conditions in Texas are excellent, 12% good, 36% fair, and a whopping 50% of our pastures here in Texas rated in the poor to very poor categories. Budgeting is never an easy process, but there's a resource that can make it easier. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo.
2: Everyone pretty much knows what crops are grown in our area, but what crop mix do you want to go with in order to make the most money this year? To help producers with that determination, AgriLife has put out the High Plains Crop Profitability Analyzer. AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Dee Dee Jones says when producers go online to use this tool, the starting point for the economic data is AgriLife's estimates for cost and returns per acre. It's
6: gonna preload all our budgets into an Excel spreadsheet. And then once those budgets are preloaded, Farmers could actually go in and adjust them to make them fit their actual operation.
2: Jones says one of the variables the profitability analyzer helps farmers with is irrigation capacity.
6: When they're trying to decide whether or not they want to grow corn or cotton or sorghum, they will put in how many acres they have under a pivot and then what is our average gallons per minute. And then it's going to show, based on their water use ability, what would be the best crop. So, you know, maybe corn fill out the best, but they've only got 500 gallons per minute. They can't grow a full circle of corn on 500 gallons. So maybe a full circle of sorghum is going to make them more money than, let's say, a half circle of corn, which would be the maximum amount that they could plant of that crop with those certain water restrictions.
2: Along with figuring out what crops look to work best, Jones says the tool will also help farmers assemble the budget information they need to have when visiting with their banker. Now, if you're looking for the High Plains Crop Profitability Analyzer, Joan says you can.
6: Download it at Amarillo.Tamu.edu.
2: Once again, that's Amarillo.Tamu.edu. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: The La Nina weather pattern is expected to last
3: through March. Tom Nicoletti takes a closer look. My guest today is Tom Bradshaw. He is meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. And Tom, thanks for joining us today as we uh, let's uh, first recap the January weather in Texas. There was some snowfall in the state.
7: Well, good to be with you again, Tom. And definitely, uh, we had a pretty significant event back on about the 10th of January. We had some record breaking snowfall across a good part of not only central Texas, which doesn't see snow very often, but also back to the west across the southern high plains and up into the Texas panhandle. We even saw snow as far south as College Station and parts of the greater Austin and San Antonio areas back on the 10th. Many areas of uh, central Texas received snowfall amounts ranging from two to four inches and a few lucky spots even saw amounts on the order of eight to nine inches particularly from the Stephenville area on down towards the Waco area.
3: Yes, and certainly uh, that was good moisture for uh, farmers and ranchers uh, across the state of Texas. Uh, Meanwhile, the National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center is reporting that there is approximately a 95 percent chance that the La Nina weather pattern will prevail through the Northern Hemisphere uh, winter from January through March. So uh, that's what they're saying there. But uh, what do you say about uh, the February
7: weather? Well, the weather that we're expecting for the month of February is really consistent with the La Nina pattern here across the southern United States. Uh, we're expecting once again relatively dry conditions across a good part of the state of Texas as well as temperatures above normal. That was really what we saw back in January as well. most of the most of the state had below normal uh, precipitation and slightly above normal temperatures. Again, that'll be the continuation uh, that we'll see and uh, the situation that we'll see in February. Um, we should see a slow uptick in the amount of precipitation that we see across the state. And that's consistent with, with storm systems starting to move into the area here in the late winter and early spring months.
3: And certainly uh, still a possibility of maybe some snow in the month of February. That's uh, not out of the question?
7: Definitely. We can still see snow events actually on into the middle of March across a good part of, state of Texas. But certainly to the month of February, uh, uh, snow is certainly not out of the question, at least for the western and northern parts of the state.
3: And the La Nina prediction uh, through, uh, through March will uh, certainly uh, keep the temperatures uh, warmer and the precipitation lower.
7: Yeah, the main signal that we get from La Nina is a drier than normal pattern across Texas and then a slightly warmer than normal condition. And we do expect that trend to continue through the end of the winter and probably most likely into the early part of the spring months as well.
3: That is National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw joining us today from Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Coastal Bend farmers are busy with final land preparation for the 2021 crop. Harvey Buring has more from Corpus Christi.
4: Coastal Bend farmers are only a couple of weeks away from corn planting. That typically takes place in mid-February here in the lower Coastal Bend area. And uh, many farmers are still busy applying fertilizer and pre-plant weed control for their spring row crops. Corn planting is expected to be down a bit this year. It's dry in some locations, particularly in the western area of the coastal bend where much of the corn is planted. There's also some favorable market competition for cotton and sorghum at this point in time. So not expected to see any increases in corn acres around the Coastal Bend this year. Now, farmers who do plan to plant cotton here in the Coastal Bend are just a month away. Coastal Bend area farmers who plan to plant cotton seed varieties that uh, are tolerant to the dicamba herbicide are reminded that they'll need to have some required training again this year. And the county extension agents in San Patricio and Nueces County have scheduled some training events that'll be taking place here during February, the required training at the San Patricia County Extension Office will be taking place on February the 2nd and the 16th. And over in New Aces County at the Extension Office in Robstown, training sessions have been scheduled for February 9th and 23rd. All of these will start at 9 a.m. in the morning. They're free of charge, and participants can not only meet this requirement for purchasing the product, but they'll also get a one hour CEU credit in laws and regulations for participating in the training events. They're all free of charge and contact the Nueces and San Patricia Extension Office for more details. Now, we're still a little short on moisture. There's a good bit of field work that needs to be done, but ranchers and some farmers are sure ready for a good, slow inch of rain between now and the middle of February. This is Harvey Beering reporting from the Coastal Bend area for Texas Ag Today.
1: The Department of Agriculture recently published a final rule clarifying regulations for U.S. hemp production. Michael Clements reports from Washington. The final hemp production rule issued by USDA will ease the regulatory burden on hemp farmers, according to the American Farm Bureau Federation. Farm Bureau Congressional Relations Director Scott Bennett says the final rule changes sampling and testing requirements.
8: This new final rule allows states and tribes to adopt a performance-based approach to sampling in their plans. This new alternative method simply must have the potential to ensure that at a competence level of ninety-five percent, the plant will not test above the acceptable THC level. The rule also modified the sampling timeline. The interim final rule gave a 15-day window to collect samples before harvest. That now sits at a 30-day window.
1: Bennett says the final rule also changes regulations regarding negligence and disposal.
8: This final rule raises the negligence threshold from 0.5% to 1% THC and limits the maximum number of negligent violations that a producer can receive to one per calendar year. The final rule also provides additional flexibility for farmers who can now just dispose of a crop on their own without the need of assistance from DEA or local law enforcement.
1: The final rule is set to go into effect this spring, pending review by the Biden administration.
8: The final rule goes into effect on March 22nd. However, the proposal of this rule at USDA at the end of 2020 causes it to sit inside the window of time by which President Biden will review all rulemaking.
1: Learn more on the market intel page at FB.org. Michael Clements, Washington.
5: There's an opportunity for Texas hunters to harvest geese this month. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll explain on Texas Ag Today.
1: Increasing fertility in horses can be a tricky endeavor. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: keeping you
1: informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Fertility issues can be a problem in horses, but there are ways
9: to help that process along. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Dr. Juan Samper from Florida performed a study on a new artificial breeding technique. Although it seems unusual, the mare's lining of the uterus actually reacts to sperm, and the longer the sperm is in the uterus, the greater the inflammation. And this is especially true of breeding with frozen semen, as the sperm are very concentrated and cause an increase in inflammation in the uterus. Dr. Samper performed a study using deep horn insemination with frozen semen. Normally, semen is infused in the body of the uterus and the sperm swim to the area where fertilization occurs next to the ovaries. However, with deep horn insemination, the sperm is placed adjacent to the ovary and this decreases the volume of the inseminant required, reduces the number of sperm required, and reduces contact time between the sperm and the uterus. The study involved deep horn insemination of frozen semen, and the uterus of the mare was lavaged or flushed to remove excessive sperm at one hour and four hours after breeding. Pregnancy rates were increased in all mares, but were significantly increased in mares bred and lavaged at one hour versus four hours. It was found that even if the lavage was performed four hours after breeding, as is recommended for regular artificial breeding or natural breeding, inflammation still occurred in the uterus. The study indicated that the pregnancy rate of normal mares did not decrease when the uterus was not lavaged at all. However, problem mares had an increase in pregnancy rate when the uterus was lavaged or flushed at one hour after breeding following deep horn insemination. I hope you enjoyed today's Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's an opportunity for Texas
1: hunters to harvest geese this month. Jessica Dommel tells how in today's wildlife report.
5: Texas hunters east of I-35 can now hunt light geese as part of the light goose conservation order. Kevin Cry. Waterfowl Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department explains.
6: So conservation order is technically not a hunting season. This was a management action that was enacted by Congress a number of years ago back in late 1990s to address an overabundant issue with snow geese at the time. Managers were seeing the population grow extensively and they were beginning to put pressures on their breeding grounds, which was negatively impacting that landscape, actually damaging the tundra. And so waterfowl managers and Congress got together and created this conservation order. And so at the end of all waterfowl season, duck and goose season, the conservation order opens up and it's just for light geese. So that's Snow geese, blue-faced snow geese, and the Ross geese. We have an extended period of take that is allowed with liberalized regulations.
5: There are no daily bag or possession limits for the allowed light geese under the conservation order. The taking of light geese are permitted by regulations established through the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's conservation order. During this period, the use of electronic calls is legal. Hunters can also use unplugged shotguns holding more than three shells. Shooting hours will be one half hour before sunrise until one half hour after sunset. The conservation order runs February 1st through March 14th in the East Zone and February 15th to March 14th in the West Zone. A map of the zones and the rules and regulations hunters should abide by during the order are available on OutdoorAnnual.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: We saw the cattle complex straight on both sides of the market on Monday. We ended up closing mixed in live cattle, higher on feeder cattle. The wheat market, however, saw double-digit losses. We'll take a closer look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: And we're back, looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we
1: have a Combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the Combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. The cattle market traded both sides of the market to kick off the week on Monday. We ended up closing mixed on live cattle futures, higher on feeder cattle. Here's a rundown of the closing prices. February live cattle down 17, 114.87. The April down 15, 121.70. June live cattle up 62 cents, 118.22. Feeder cattle higher. March up 20 cents, 137.92. April up 32 at 141.07. May feeders up 67, 143. Cash fed cattle market, all quiet on Monday. We wrapped it last week, selling cattle $3 higher, 113 on a live basis. Up north, they sold cattle $5 higher on the rail at 178 Last week's negotiated cash cattle trade totaled $92,542 head. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up $1.82, $235.77. Select up $298, dollars dollars Now to check the auction barns, here's Larry Marble.
9: When you hear Auctioneer Troy sound off on a Monday, it's time to talk to Madison Bexley, that little country ball of fire from Lockhart Livestock. They sell them every Thursday. Maddie, how'd the sale go?
10: We had a good day. We ended up with 1156 with 163 cows and 22 bulls, 181 sellers and 59 buyers.
9: Let's walk those pins maddie
10: on the stalker cows, we got along good. Uh, we had a few good pairs brought from 1050 to 12 and a quarter, mediocre and middle aged pairs from 6 to 975, the good bred cows from 8 to 1075, mediocre, middle aged, and shortbreads mostly 5 to 775, the longhorns and the Plain small-framed cows from 2 to 400. The Packer cows and bulls would have been 2 to 4 higher this week. Good high-yielding cows from 54 to 70 and a half. The medium-yielding from 42 to 53. The low-yielding from 24 to 41. The good high-yielding Packer bulls from 86 to 93. The medium-yielding from 70 to 85. Low-yielding and lightweights from 55 to 69. Uh, calves in New Orleans were pretty much steady with a week ago on a real active market. The quality as a whole was real good this week, and, you know, that always makes our job easier. So.
9: Good. Do you think the quality will resume when we start the I, sale next Thursday?
10: I sure hope. After the hard winter we had, it's, it's nice to see some good cattle. Good
9: deal. Hey, I wanted to make you aware of something. On Monday, I started a new program for Texas Farm Bureau Radio called Walk in the Pins. It's about the livestock market industry in the state of Texas. And guess who's going to be my first guest? Who? You.
10: I- I am. Yes. (laughs) Well, great. Welcome to Walking the (laughs) Pens. Thanks, Larry.
9: Neighbor, we appreciate you listening. Maddie, we appreciate y'all being a part of it. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you at Lockhart Livestock for the Thursday sale.
10: Yeah, Larry, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512 398 3476. My cell phone at 979 540 9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512 461 6091.
9: Neighbor from Madison Bexley from Lockhart Livestock and the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Larry Marble reporting. Back over to the futures market now. Lean
1: hogs closed lower February Hogs down 25, 6955, the April down $1.15.75.50. Class 3 milk steadied a higher. February milk up 15 cents, 1551, a hundred weight. The cotton market closed mixed with the nearbys lower, the deferreds higher. The nearby contracts feeling the pressure from a strengthening U.S. dollar. March cotton down 61 points, 80.03. May down 48, 81.36. New crop December cotton up 25, 77.94. The wheat market closed lower, double-digit losses in the Kansas City wheat market. We saw some fairly decent rains across the U.S. Southern Plains that may have pressured the market somewhat. Also, USDA said 14.6 million bushels of wheat were inspected for export last week. That's not nearly as much as was expected, so that could have pressured prices as well. We closed with July Kansas City wheat down 11 cents, 6.27 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down 9 and a quarter, 633 and 3 quarters. The corn market was higher, March corn up two and a quarter, 549 and a quarter, September corn up one and a half, 471 and 3 quarters. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 26 cents, 282, March crude oil up $1.43, 53.63 a barrel. The financial markets higher, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 229, 30,212. The NASDAQ up 332 at 13,403. The S&P 500 up 59, 3,773. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then.